morning's Bible reading comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 4, right through to um, verse 10. Thank you. It says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God um, for great honour. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And what's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for that great honour, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognise the honour God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Can I invite Pastor Paul to come? Thank you. Just a couple of verses, but first of all, grace and peace to you from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. A couple of verses from the reading. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can I make this go up? That's better. I'd like to read to you from one of my favourite books. It's called The Book of Heroic Failures by Stephen Pyle. First one, The Vet Who Surprised the Cow. In the course of his duties in August 1977, a Dutch veterinary surgeon was required to treat an ailing cow. To investigate its internal gases, he inserted a tube into that end of the animal not capable of facial expressions (laughs) and struck a match. (laughs) The jet of flame set fire first to some bales of hay and then to the whole farm, causing damage estimated at half a million dollars. The vet was later fined $1,400 for starting a fire in a manner surprising to the magistrate. (laughs) The cow escaped with shock. (laughs) Another one, the most unsuccessful attempt to propose marriage. In the late 1900s, 
A teacher in London was enamoured of a well-to-do young woman called Gwendolyn, who lived in Sussex. On a weekend, he went to the family's ancestral home to ask her to marry him. On the first night he was there, he awoke at 3am wanting a glass of water. On his way to find the glass of water, he knocked something over. Next morning, he awoke to find that he had spilt ink over the priceless 14th century tapestry, which was the pride and joy of Gwendolyn's mother. He left immediately without seeing his beloved. After the fuss had died down, he returned to make another attempt. In order to minimise the chances of disaster, he decided to call in for just half an hour in the afternoon. While she was, uh, he, he asked Gwendolyn's mother if he could see Gwendolyn. While, his, while her mother was out of the room, he sat down on what he took to be a cushion. It was, however, the family Pekingese, <laughs> which did not survive the experience. He left again without seeing her, and they both married other people. <laughs> Stephen Pyle wrote this book in 1979 because he said, most of us know more about failure than about success in our lives. And when you look at it, the vast majority of us, maybe even less than that, are not going to be the best in the world at anything. So he wrote this book as a way of encouraging us in our ordinariness. After all, he said, that's where 99% of the world's population is, and we should embrace our ordinariness. He actually founded and was the first president of the not-so-very-good club of England. Unfortunately, his book became so popular that the club ended up with over 30,000 members, and he was forced to resign because he was too successful. <laughs> but I like his idea. At 68, I have finally come to the recognition that I'm not going to be the best in the world at anything. And a society where being famous and successful is seen as being so important. Just look at the focus of the media. Uh, look at how many people want to get their 15 minutes of fame. Look at the uh, social media influences. In such a context, how does someone deal with just being ordinary. Well, I want to tell you today, this is good news to me as well, there's nothing wrong with being ordinary. Um, God can and God does use us and carries out his mission through us in our ordinary lives. In the ordinary things that we do every day, in the apparent humdrum relationships and experiences that make up the tapestry of our lives. If you are waiting around for something spectacular to happen to you, to hear God's miraculous call so you can do his mission, then you may well be missing countless opportunities that God places in front of you every day. Opportunities that he places in front of you in your everyday ordinary lives. Or, in fact, you may be missing the opportunities all the time because you don't see them. You may actually be carrying out those opportunities as well because you don't recognise what you're doing. I was at a youth camp recently and the kids were talking about 
wanting to do something for God, living out their faith in a really meaningful way. They talked about various missions that they wanted to go on. And they were really inspiring in the vision they had for how they could serve God. But as it went on, I began to, be, I began to get a little bit sad. Because as I listened to them, I realised that they were undervaluing what they were actually doing in their daily lives. As I looked around at, the, at these kids that I knew, I was thinking that I valued the way that they witnessed to God in their everyday lives. And in particular, in the way they lived out their faith in a meaningful way and an authentic way. But they couldn't see that. They were looking to serve God in some marvellous, meaningful ways without realising that in their day-to-day lives, they were living out God's love to people in a way that was marvellously meaningful. And I wanted to shout out to them, but you already are. But I don't know if they would have heard me. And if I said that to you, would you hear me? If I said that as you are living out your lives, you also are carrying out God's mission and bringing God's love to life. You see, love comes to life in the ordinary little things. Love comes to life in your relationships, in your vocation, in your family, in your social life. Love comes to life where you are. Love comes to life as you use the gifts that God has given you to serve other people. I'd like you just to show you a little clip. You may have seen it before. It's about 10 years old and was, I think, quite popular at the time. Um, Guys, for about five minutes, and this is on this theme of using your gifts. I hope you enjoy it.
love that piece of music. Um, just love it. Uh, and watching that, uh, seeing the people come together and then them just go away, uh, gives me just a nice warm feeling um, as well. I love the idea of the guy with the double bass catching the train in to go and <laughs> hop out, back out again. Um, a couple of things stood out for me, though. Uh, firstly, was the absolute joy of those people who stopped uh, and watched. And that's the reason, this it was done by the Copenhagen Philharmonic Orchestra, by the way, that's the reason they did it, to bring joy into people's lives, to use their gift, their God-given gift, to bring joy um, to those around about them. Uh, Andrew said, oh, look, you can't, you can't play this unless you've got permission, um, copyright and everything. So, okay, I wrote away to the, to the Copenhagen Sym uh, Symphony Philharmonic Orchestra, thinking I'd never hear back. The next morning, I was, the email came back, yeah, certainly, go ahead, use it. Um, it just shows, that, that's what it was done for, to bring joy into people's lives. The second thing that I noticed was, I love the way at the end, uh, the orchestrators picked up their instruments and went home. They didn't wait around for any hoo-ha or anything, they just, they'd done their job, um, off they went. I love that. Now maybe as you look at that and talk about using our gifts, maybe you look at that and you think, well, that's not that ordinary. That was pretty spectacular, really. But when you think about it, they were simply using the gift that God had given them for the benefit of other people. Maybe you don't have the gift of music. I certainly don't. Anyone who's heard me sing knows that. Um, but what is your gift? What's the gift that God has given you? Maybe it's understanding or being able to listen to people uh, as they're going through difficult times. Maybe it's doing things practically. Maybe you're one of those people that can turn your hand to everything. I am useless in that area. Thankfully, I have a brother-in-law who can do anything and everything. Anytime we have a problem, Roger comes in. Every household should have a Roger. <laughs> or maybe it's something as simple as having good old common sense and wisdom. They are able to help someone see issues as they're going through something. The text from 1 Peter is beautiful. Listen again to that part of it. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. A chosen people, a holy nation, people belonging to God. That's brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant. That's who you are in God. And that's who we are in Jesus Christ. In the next chapter, by the way, St. Peter goes on to talk about how our text is to be put into practice in our everyday lives, where we are, if you like. He talks about husband and wife relationships. He talks about the way that we deal with each other. He talks about showing respect to those who are in authority. He talks about hospitality and using the particular gifts that God has given us for the blessing of others. He talks about honouring each other and showing humility. In effect, what he's saying to us is, you want love to come to life? Live your life well. Have Christ central in your life. In other words, take Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. Allow him to influence whatever you do, whatever you think, 
whatever you say. And as you do that, you are allowing God's love to come to life. And to say again something that I mentioned before, this may be happening even more than you realise. Because of your faith, you may well be doing that all the time because it's simply a part of your life. Let me give you a couple of examples from my experience in the ministry. We had uh, my first place was Loxton, and we had one week the, the funeral of a 22-year-old who'd been killed tragically in a car accident. After the burial, the family gathered around the grave and they started to pray the Lord's Prayer. Afterwards, I asked them why. And they, see, they said, it just seemed like it needed something at that particular moment. And it did. In the small town of Loxton, this was the third tragic death that week. And the town was in shock. In the middle of death, love came to life through something as simple as ordinary as the praying of the Lord's Prayer. It had an incredible effect on the community. The prayer had been prayed on the right before, but the family praying at the grave made such a statement. And then another one. I was doing a pre-marriage counselling course with a young couple who were going to be married, obviously, um, and the future husband, who had no Christian background whatsoever, asked me about becoming a Christian. The cynic in me thought and said to him, are you doing this just because it's expected? He said, no. He said he wanted to. And I asked him why. And he said, because of the way that Leanne's family is. Their faith makes them different in a good way. And it's something that I want as well. I looked at his fiancée and she had this look of absolute shock and horror on her face. She did not realise the effect that the faith of her family had had on her future husband. And I could tell you lots of other similar experiences as well. Experiences where God's love comes to life in the simple, ordinary things that we do. In the way that we relate to people. Simply in the way that we live our lives. What about you? How do you live out your life? In your interactions and behaviours, in your vocation and values, how does God's love shine through you? How does God's love come to life in you? I'd like you to be aware of that and also of the opportunities that God places in front of you all the time as you live out your Christian life. Ways in which you can witness to God. How you can impact on people around you. Those people who are a constant part of your ordinary, everyday life. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Sure, sometimes your lives will be pretty ordinary, but our God isn't, nor is what he has done for us, nor is his love for us. Take that love of God and let it come to life wherever you are and in whatever you do. Amen. In the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, keep our hearts and minds in God. Amen. We join together, I think, in singing the next song, and you rise if, as you're able.